fleeting glimpses of things seen through a veil darkly. Do we understand the meaning of these visions of life? Why we are here and how little of our existence we truly understand? Tonight we will talk of these things on The Other Side. Welcome to The Other Side. I am Jim Harold. So glad to be with you once again. And I think we're going to have a fascinating discussion. We have a return guest who's been on the Paranormal Podcast before. I'm talking about Dr. Cynthia Andrews. And we're going to talk about her recent book, The Path of Emotions, Transform Emotions into Energy to Achieve Your Greatest Potential. And we'll tell you a little little bit about Dr. Andrews. If you're not familiar, a fascinating guest and a great guest on the Paranormal Podcast. Many, many comments that folks really enjoyed her program. Uh, Dr. Cynthia Andrews is a licensed naturopathic physician with 30 years of experience as a massage and energy therapist. Her work focuses on the emotional and spiritual dynamics in health and healing. She's passionate in exploring the human body, the subtle energy matrix and emotions. Facilitating people's energy awareness is her life's work. The emotional compendium supplied in The Path of Emotions is derived from her experience working with clients and her own work and personal growth. She's the author of the book, The Path of Energy, which I believe we spoke about before, and is the primary co-author of three other books on healing, energy, and consciousness. She teaches energy awareness workshops, provides lectures around the world, and maintains a private, subtle energy-oriented neuropathic practice, naturopathic practice, excuse me, in Guilford, Connecticut. Dr. Andrews, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I'm really looking forward. And I do want to say a quick thank you to Dr. Andrews. Um, when all of my personal stuff was going on with the losses in my family, uh, we had scheduled something, and I thought I had sent her a cancellation note. I had not uh, in error, uh, so she was very gracious in rescheduling that, so thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Andrews, um, when you talk about emotions, I, it seems to me that uh, a lot of times we're very focused on the mind and, and, and thoughts and analytical thinking. And perhaps our, you know, as a small child, many people are told, well, don't cry, uh, don't express your feelings, uh, hide your emotions. Um, do you think that in the Western world, we've kind of trained ourselves to put uh, the, the emotions on the back burner? Oh, I think we've very much trained ourselves to do that. And I think that we made um, an error in our excitement over the mind in terms of understanding how emotions and intellect and emotions and the mind interact with each other. We've kind of given precedence to the idea that the brain is is the everything, the all of our consciousness, and that the, the body is just um, acting in response to the brain. And really some of the most extraordinary research that's come out in regards to emotions is the fact that they they can be generated in the body. They're cellular events. Um, Candace Pert, the neuroscientist back in the 1990s, wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion that beautifully explained how um, cells can generate these neurotransmitters or these neuropeptides that transmit information um, on an emotional level. And so emotions are generated in the body and the mind, and they're the communication link between the two. So I think that the more we get to understand our emotions, the more integrated we are and the better decision makers we are, and um, the more fully we live in the, in the present moment. Now, this might seem a little elementary, but let's take a step back. How do you define emotions? Oh, that is a hard one. <laughs> um, I think of emotions as um, 
the action around what we feel. And, you know, so there's like, there's like two different things. There's, there's what we feel and there's the action around what we feel. We tend to use the words interchangeably and throughout the book I do use them interchangeably. But for me, emotions are the, the feelings that we have and then how we react because of them. <clears throat> One thing that's difficult, and I find myself in this scenario sometimes, uh, I tend to be a worrier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just can't shut that worry off or those emotions off or those negative emotions mm-hmm. off. And I think that's, that's, you know, sometimes that's the difficulty if you have negative emotions is to somehow find that shut off valve or if you can't shut it off, at least learn how to deal with it. Uh, do you talk about that uh, in the book, and, and what are your thoughts on that particular question? Yeah, we do definitely talk about that in the book. And so for me, a lot of that has to do with understanding what the function of emotion is. If you, if you understand the function and work with emotions on a functional level, it's easier to find those turn-off switches. We tend to think that we're, um, you know, just at the mercy of whatever we feel in the moment and that we don't have any real control over that, that it, it overtakes us and that we have to exert ourselves in order to, um, in order to shift it. But if we take a, a few steps back from that and look at what our emotions trying to do, I mean, they're not dysfunctional. They, we, didn't, we didn't evolve with them as a dysfunction. They're, they're a very functional part of our um, ability to interact with our environment. And I tend to take a look at the whole thing on an energetic level and look at what emotions do to us energetically. For example, some emotions expand your energy field and some emotions bring you deeply inside of yourself. You know, why is there that difference? What is the function behind it? So with worry, for example, worry is kind of, you know, one of those really challenging ones that um, is is a combination of all of the limiting beliefs we've ever had, you know, being activated by by some form of anxiety, really. And so what anxiety, you know, every emotion brings us two things. It brings us a piece of information about ourselves and or the environment we're in, and it brings us an energy charge to do something about it. So, for example, when you're afraid, it's giving you information about your safety and it's giving you enough energy to to fight or flight in the moment. It's also changing your energy field. Your energy field comes deeply inside of yourself into your core so that you can act quickly from a from your core self. Um, so <clears throat> when you start kind of tuning in and saying, well, what is this, this a worry trying to tell me? What is it trying to, what's the information behind that worry? How is it affecting my energy field? And can I assist it in that shift it's trying to create in my energy field so that the worry can dissipate. Because, because a normal everyday emotion rises as it's giving the information, we receive the information, and then it goes down and it's gone. It only stays at that heightened level when it interacts with these limiting beliefs that, that just keep going and going and going, and we don't process the information that's in it. Now, uh, we can talk a little bit about negative emotions. What about positive emotions? Can too many positive emotions be a bad thing? Um, I would say yes, and here's the thing. <laughs> in, in, in my way of, of looking at it in this book, there really are no positive or negative emotions. There are emotions that are comfortable and emotions that are uncomfortable. 
Um, and we tend to look at uncomfortable emotions as negative. But anybody who's been desperately in love and, and unable to um, relieve their fixation understands that that can be pretty uncomfortable. And that, and you know, there's a whole thing in Chinese medicine called overjoy, where we put so much energy into into feelings of joy, for example, that we behave recklessly and we and we do things that we really regret the next day because we are overwhelmed with our joy. So, just because something is comfortable or uncomfortable doesn't mean it has a beneficial or or harmful effect for us in our life. Now, uh, during during this discussion, we've kind of talked about emotions as something to deal with, but they can also have very positive outcomes. How can we become the master of our emotions? Well, for me, that comes down to um, awareness. It comes down to becoming aware of the emotions that we're having, the information that that emotion is translating to us, and... um, and then interacting with the energy that it's that it's giving us, and when we begin to do that, and it sounds terribly hard, like complicated and difficult, it really isn't. It's like once you start to pay attention on that level, it's it's simple and it's and it's fast and it's easy, and you're no longer um, you know kind of held in thrall to to the emotional ups and downs of life. <clears throat> Which doesn't mean that that the emotional ups and downs don't have have enjoyment. We do like roller coasters, <laughs> you know. It isn't you know it isn't that they don't have have something to offer. It's just that when they rule us, they can take us out of our um, out of the path and purpose we're trying to fulfill. I know sometimes when I'm feeling particularly excited about my work, and I'm generally pretty positive about this work. I enjoy doing it. But there are times when I kind of hit almost this manic state where it's like I feel like I'm in the zone. And I I guess what I would like to do is be in that zone more and to feel that emotional high more. uh, Of course, I'm sure that at some point there's diminishing returns where it becomes too much of a good thing. But Mm -hmm. but how do you kind of get into that? I don't know if that's something that you explored. Uh, when it pertains to your work and so forth, how do you, you know, I know when I'm cooking in that zone, it's like, I feel like I get, get five times as much done. Is there a way that we can kind of not just fall into it, but actively put ourselves in the zone? Yeah. What you're, what you're touching on there is the, is the connection between emotions and our levels of consciousness. Emotional states change our brainwave patterns and certain emotions put us in the super beta patterns or, or gamma uh, wavelength patterns, which are highly focused and highly creative and, and um, deeply connected to the world around us, which is kind of what you're describing. And then other um, wave patterns, you know, the lower level beta um, patterns can keep us caught in these, you know, kind of worry zones that we can go into. Um, and so being able to use our emotions to shift in and out of states of consciousness, I think, is one of the, the benefits of emotional mastery, if you will, to use those terms. And I think some of the studies that were done in Wisconsin on the Tibetan monks give us some really good clues, uh, which is that what they found is that, that the monks are able through meditation to really change their brainwave states um, pretty much within moments of of setting up a meditation practice and what they meditate on are what we might call or what Jonathan Haidt actually a, a, a sociologist calls transcendent emotions they're the emotions that lift us up out of our own self-interest and shift our brain waves into these into these higher patterns and those those transcendent emotions are things like gratitude awe 
um, unconditional love, compassion. Compassion is the one that the monks seem to, to really use the most. But when you're doing your work in that focused way, what is that transcendent emotion you're feeling? Like awe, excite, you know, wonder, gratitude, that's what you have to hook onto. If you want to create it yourself, go to that emotion, generate that emotion, and your, and your brainwave is going to shift. Now, one thing that I talked about early on in the discussion is this idea of suppressed emotions. Um, how do suppressed emotions manifest themselves mentally and physically? Yeah, so to, to answer that, you kind of have to look at how, how emotions um, are responded to in the body. So it's like we've talked about how um, different cells in the body can actually produce the neuropeptides that transmit emotional information. And interestingly enough, those um, cells accumulate in certain areas of the body um, expressing certain emotions. So Wilhelm Reich, who was a psychoanalyst in the 1950s, described seven segments in the body where emotions tended to be generated. And each of those segments in the body are distinct and have muscular patterns of tension that can tighten up when we're experiencing something uncomfortable to, to, to limit the amount of experience that we have, which can be really helpful. Like if you're overwhelmed with grief, it can be helpful to be able to tighten the muscles in your chest and close down how much you feel that grief so that you can function as you process and, and come to terms with, with the situation that you're in. So, you know, these are functional things, but taken to a, an extreme where we lock down and never allow ourselves to feel that grief then we develop these muscle patterns that completely armor that chest segment, and now we can't feel any of the emotions that are generated in the chest. We don't feel love. We don't feel satisfaction. We don't feel pride and, and different things that are also in that segment. So um, I don't know if I've just answered your questions. I feel like I've walked around in a big circle. <laughs> no, that's, that, no, 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 that, that certainly answers, uh, answers uh, the, the question. Now, here's a, here's a question that I have. When you're talking about this, um, is this all physiological or does it somehow tie to the spiritual? It is absolutely spiritual. To me, emotions are the link between um, the spiritual and the physical realm because they are translations of subtle energy. And one of the things I don't think we really um, look at a lot is you know, that, that realm in between purely physical and purely spiritual, which, you know, which I just describe as the subtle energy realm that, that is the matrix of our physical reality. And we are wired, you know, we talked about in the book, um, The Path of Energy, the last time I was there with you, that, that our bodies are wired to interact with this realm of subtle energy. We receive energy information continually through our bodies and the main way that we interact with or translate that um, that energy into something that we can respond to is, is emotionally. It comes in through energy structures in our body, is translated into emotional information that is transmitted through our neurophysiology and um, enters our brain and becomes part of our decision-making process. So for me, the more in touch we are with our emotions, the more in touch we are with our spiritual essence and the more we understand, you know, because we're, we're kind of 
extending outside of ourselves when we start working with the emotional realm. And that seems counterintuitive because we think of emotions as, you know, as these deep inner things, but they're really linking us to the external world. And when we pay attention and listen to them, um, we begin to understand the interconnectedness of, of everything. You know, you see a sunset and, and the beauty that it inspires is a connection between you and that sunset and, and that, that beauty is, is an emotional re- response, an emotional reaction. It's a, it's a nuance of, of energy information you're receiving. This is kind of an odd one, but, uh, but are there things that we think are emotions that are not and things that we don't think emotions that are? Oh, that is, I don't, you know, I don't know. And one of the things I do try and, and do is not label over excessively because then it kind of separates us from our experience. And I'm not, I'm not sure really how to answer that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, sometimes, and, and I find my situation uh, that, that, Sometimes my uh, my heart tells me one thing and my head tells me another. Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile the two? Well, if you were to stop and to look, um, when there is that kind of a discrepancy, usually it's because you don't have enough information, or it's because you're denying a part of yourself, and which is not having enough information. And so if you can sit with it, and and I really do believe in meditation. I really do believe that the opportunity to just be inside of your body and and just feel and be a part of what's there without, you know, a big mental overlay. But if you can kind of sit with, with what you're feeling and allow your feelings to inform the situation, um, you generally find that what your mind maybe what your mind is telling you to do isn't in alignment with your core or maybe what your heart is telling you to do is is based on an old ideal um, that doesn't fit you anymore. But one, the incongruence between the two will begin to resolve itself if you can just sit and allow it to happen. And so it really, for me, when they're at odds, it means you don't have enough information. That's a very good point. Um, so what are the nuts and bolts of this? How do we put uh, mastering our emotions into motion. Uh, obviously, I've, I'm sure you would recommend that people pick up the book and, and, and read that. Where there's some, is it meditation? Is it uh, contemplation? Is it prayer? Uh, all of the above and much more. What, what, what are the nuts and bolts of getting on this path? Yeah, there are a series of tools. There's like five key tools that we, that we use to kind of pay more attention to our emotions. And the first is mindfulness. And mindfulness is the big word out there these days. And, you know, everybody has some idea of what it means. In this case, I'm just asking people to be mindful of what they're feeling in each moment. And it really isn't as hard as it sounds. It just requires making a decision. I mean, I'm driving 10 minutes into work, and I can do it thinking about what I'm going to do when I get there or how many projects I have lined up for the day or, you know, what this crazy driver in front of me is doing. Or I can do it from a place of, how am I feeling in this moment? And, you know, that's a beautiful thing over there. And this, this car is driving me crazy. What's he going to do? It's like, are, are you going to be in the, in the moment or are you going to be in the past or in the future? And that's really the essence of mindfulness is making the choice. I'm going to be here and now. And what I'm going to be mindful of is how I'm emotionally interacting to the world around me, what I am like internally right now. So that's the first step is mindfulness. That's the first tool. The second tool is that where our 
attention goes, our energy follows. So if I want to begin to shift my energy, which will shift my consciousness and brain states and whatever, I have to be able to um, be in control of my attention. And the best way to do that is through visualization. So I might, so mindfulness, visualization, meditation, um, presence, these are all tools for emotional mastery that are discussed, you know, pretty lengthily in the book with exercises on how to, to work with them. Do you have a few examples or a couple of examples, not a few, but a couple of examples of people that you've worked with where mastering your emotions has made a, a great difference in your life, both personally and professionally? Mm-hmm. Well, the one that I like to, um, to share, mostly because I have permission, <laughs> but is a woman who... Um, <clears throat> who was a skier or she was learning how to ski when she had a really bad accident. And she had the accident because she had wanted to join her husband and his friends on a ski trip. And she really wasn't ready for the slope. And her body knew that she she wasn't ready. Her body was giving her a lot of fear signals and telling her everything she needed to know. And if she had listened to her fear, she would have known that she needed a few more lessons or that she had to do this in a different way. But she overrode her fear um, and forced herself to go down this hill where she did have a really bad accident. Now, things healed over over the course of of time, um, but she never got rid of an underlying pain. It's like the broken bones were were repaired and there was nothing muscularly wrong, and yet she had a a fair amount of pain still, which she was told was psychoneuro which kind of is true because, you know, what we had to do was really look at what were the emotions that she was experiencing at the time of the accident. And those emotions get, you know, travel into your body with the force of the, of the accident and get lodged there in what John Upledger, the founder of craniosacral therapy, calls an energy cyst. And in that, in that energy cyst, healing will not progress beyond that point until you deal with and process the emotions of that moment. And so, you know, on the on the surface level, and there were layers and layers of this, so on the surface level, she was angry with herself for going down the hill and having an accident. She was, you know, there was the fear that had been present at the time, but those two were actually pretty surface. Underneath and deeper was, you know, what was it that caused her to set aside what her body was telling her about not going down the hill and force her to do it? And that went to a fear that she had that her husband didn't really love her and that if she didn't do these things to please him, um, he he wouldn't stay with her. And so that was a whole different thing. And once she opened up that and she and her husband started talking, they were able to do some real trust building things. And she was, and you know, all of that even came from a child childhood experiences with her father. So it just opened up this whole place to work. And, and it was pretty amazing. <laughs> um, what, uh, I, I mean, people can literally get sick if their, their emotions are out of control. Isn't it true? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, if we look at how anxiety impacts the body when you're living with perpetual anxiety, you end up with ulcers, you end up with um, neurotransmitter imbalances, insomnia, appetite dis- disturbances. When you have uncontrolled anger that you're living with all the time, you can also have the same ulcers plus high blood pressure and headaches and all different kinds of physiological responses to emotional um 
in balance. And so, you know, it's not the emotion that's the problem. It's our inability to process the emotion. When we're, you know, left alone, when, you know, if you watch children when they're just left alone and an emotion comes up, their mind immediately processes it while their body discharges the energy that it generates. When we interrupt that, then that emotion gets, um, held in the body through muscular tension and becomes something that can be triggered very easily. I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Um, when my kids were <clears throat> were little, they used to have friends that came over and we would um, do a little creative projects. And these two particular um, friends had parents who were both doctors and there was a lot of um, perfectionism in the family. And one of the girls drew a T-shirt, an incredible T-shirt with this earth, you know, that had the continents and the oceans, and it was absolutely perfect. And I'm a little artistically challenged. I might have been a little jealous at it, possibly. And she picks it up and, you know, to put it on the floor to dry, and one of the continents just leaked out into the ocean, and it just threw her over the edge. Now, the other kids went outside and play, and she stood in front of her T-shirt, and she went through all five of the different ways that the body typically um, discharges the energy of emotion. Her hands were clenching and unclenching. She was trembling and shaking. She was crying a little bit. Um, and there was part of me who, that wanted to say, oh, my God, it's not that important. It's a beautiful T-shirt. Go outside and play. And that was probably the little jealous part of me, you know. And there was another part of me that wanted to smother her, that wanted to put my arm around her and tell her, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, it's beautiful just the way it is, which would also diminish um, what she was feeling. But instead, I just kind of sat with her and I let her go through what she was going through. And in the end, um, you know, she had a big sigh, whatever she needed to go through in her head about failure and, and, you know, success, she did. And when her parents came, she picked up the T-shirt and she was so excited to show them the T-shirt. If I had not allowed her to process that, what she would have done every time she saw that T-shirt is saw the mistake. And then um, over time, having that kind of experience repeated, she would develop the belief, I'm not a good artist. And from there... Um, a whole limiting construct develops in her life about what she can and can't do. Well, it, it certainly is a powerful concept, and uh, I, I think many of us, including me, have always had issues controlling our emotions, not in a negative way. I've been fortunate not to be one of those people who get angry and break mm-hmm. things or things like that, although <laughs> I've been around people who are like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, um, but more internally, more worrying about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I, I would define myself as a worrier. So I think for people like me and also people like me who are into personal improvement and maximizing your productivity, I think mm-hmm. this is very important. Can you talk just a little bit about, uh, before we close out, about using emotions to increase your personal productivity? Um, well, you know, any to anything that you want to manifest, I mean, so productivity is a type of a manifestation. You know, you have to have an idea. You have to invest that idea in energy, and then that energy has to, you know, compel you through the actions to create it. Um, so whenever that's going on, the more energy that you can gear towards it, the better it's going to be. And how do we generate our energy? We generate it through our emotions. And some people, the reason some people are are so angry all the time is because they have found that's the best way to generate a whole lot of energy to get stuff done for them. And if they were to process that, they might find an easier way to generate energy. 
Um, so it goes back to really what we were talking about before is, is having such passion for what you're doing and such enjoyment out of it that it generates enough energy and it shifts you into a, a brainwave state where you're highly efficient and then, you know, there you go. Uh, Dr. Andrews, where can people go to find the book and also to find more information about all of your work? Um, I have two websites, uh, thepathofenergy.com and andrewshealingarts.com. Both of them are being redesigned and hopefully um, much more user-friendly soon. (laughs) Um, The books can be gotten at Barnes & Noble, at Amazon, um, through my website, signs through my website, if people do it that way. And... um, should be any any bookseller. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on The Other Side. We appro- uh, appreciate it, and our emotion is gratitude. Thank you so much again, well, Dr. Andrews. Take care. Bye-bye. And thank you for joining us today on The Other Side. We certainly appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> 